What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. Today, Robert Andrews will join Carrie Wood and share some tips and insight on dealing with the seasons that are abruptly cut short and how to monitor the mental health of your athletes. I am your host, Jeremy Jackson, and of course, you know Todd Sable from such award-winning films like Todd Sports Med on Instagram or on Facebook or from Sports Med Discussion, and then, of course, his leading roles on the Sports Medicine Broadcast. You can join our conversation at sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash season cut short after the fact, or if you're live on Facebook, then make sure you check in, comment there, ask questions right away. So, um, Robert has been on the podcast before, as well as, obviously, Carrie and Todd. They were on just recently. And then, um, so Robert's with the... Um, you talked about like the didactic imagery and changing, changing how you look at the, the movement of your body after you get an injury, like a mm-hmm. catastrophic injury. So with torn ACLs and, and he's worked with some uh, like Olympic athletes and things like that, how they just couldn't, couldn't get back to full form because of a mental block, not, not a physical block. And so he's going to be joining us talking about how we can help our athletes who's basically life has been wrapped up in sports is just abruptly cut short with something beyond their control. Not like an injury because that's kind of like, okay, well I was, I was involved in that situation, but this is basically just somebody coming in and saying, Hey, you can't participate. And so how we can help our athletes deal with that from an athletic trainer side, from a parent side, or even us personally, how we can help uh, deal with that and move forward. So, Robert, without much further ado, why don't you uh, actually uh, go around and give everybody a chance to say hi. Todd, say hello. Hey, guys. How's everybody doing? Did you like my little intro there for you, Todd? I, I did. That was unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> it's award-winning. <laughs> yeah. High praise. The pressure's on. <laughs> All right. And then now we're, we got Robert. So, Robert, you can say hello. Hi, I'm Robert Andrews. I'm uh, from Houston, Texas with the Institute of Sports Performance. And then Carrie Wood, been on recently twice. Carrie, say hello. Good morning. I'm from uh, right. Redmond High School out in Central Oregon. And it, glad to have you back. So, Thank you for having us. Um, I am back. I'm at home, like most people right now, and broadcasting from the house. So I have a kid sitting, you know, about two feet from me, working on schoolwork and that kind of thing as well. So it is definitely uh, something that we're we're living out as we, as we speak with us so all right robert you sent out an email that went to um <clears throat> went to bob marley and then he sent it out to hundreds of athletic trainers on how they can deal with the shutdown of schools so i want you kind of just walk through some of that with us um well you were talking earlier about injuries that's the first thing that popped into my mind an injury might happen to a few athletes on a team but this is affecting the entire team and teams throughout the high school and i was laying in bed at night this this morning and I, early this morning i couldn't really go back to sleep and i was thinking about the impact that this has not just on the student athletes but uh teachers and coaches and bands and drill teams and families it's what i call it it's, it's a systemic issue um and with that systemic loss comes a whole bunch of different losses, connection to a team and identity and locker room time and travel and games and tournaments and, and uh, 
Uh, for seniors, the loss of a prom and a promising season, perhaps, and recruiting processes. So the losses go on and on and on. And I, and I think the first thing we have to do is acknowledge that our kids are suffering probably a tremendous amount of grief just from all the losses that, that they've experienced. Is that something you guys are seeing or experiencing? Yeah, definitely, 100%. Um, the, the one thing that popped into my head when this first started happening, you know, you said injuries, and obviously that's kind of where our head goes as being sports medicine professionals. But um, the, the second thing, and probably more importantly for me, I'm thinking a little bit more about the high school I was at previously, but even now, some of those kids who, you know, they got most of their food or all of their meals at school. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, kids who don't have a great home life to go back to when they get home from school and school is kind of their escape. So that, that's some some of the things that I, I think about, you know, kind of offhand and how can we, you know, although it's not a sports in the sports setting, how can we help them, whether it's, you know, mentally give them things to work on or think about or um, just to kind of combat maybe the negative experience they have at home. So that's that's kind of where my mind goes, you know, after the injury aspect, because that's kind of where we go automatically with, with this being our profession. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting you say that because we had an article in the Houston Chronicle here, newspaper, that domestic violence reports were increasing. You know, people get stuck in closed quarters yep. under tremendous amount of stress and their personality starts taking a hit, their behavior starts changing. So uh, your point you know, food, I've thought about that, and then domestic violence. And, and I know when I was in high school, my parents went through a horrendous divorce, and sports was my safe place. You know, going to school and being at school and being around my teammates was, I hated going home. <clears throat> and so now we're stuck at home, and some environments are better than others. Yeah, and they're saying that child abuse uh, reports are down because they're afraid that the kids aren't in school and having those uh, outlets and people recognizing uh, and reporting them. Yeah. The signs aren't there. Yeah. The experts are saying they're down, but it's, we don't think they're the, that they're down because there's less child abuse. We think they're just not being reported, which is, mm. which is very, I'm coming from a little different angle. I actually, my, I have a son who's a senior this year. And so it's been uh, really affecting our house. Um, I finally kind of, we haven't, Oregon hasn't, um, we're all waiting on the Oregon Department of Education to kind of make that decision on, we're still stuck on going back April 28th, which none of us think it's really going to happen, <laughs> but uh, holding out hope a little bit, but uh, we're kind of waiting for that. So we haven't had the exact total word that graduation is canceled and all that stuff, but um that's been coming from our family. It's hit home with having a senior and missing out on all these things he's planned for his whole life. Mm-hmm. That's sad, isn't it? Yeah, it is sad. Yeah. Would you agree though, that the, it, it affects the whole family too? Because I know when my, my kids played high school club and college sports and I just love gearing up for a weekend tournament and getting on the road or going to a Tuesday night baseball game or my daughter's volleyball game on Friday night. And I just think about all the families, not just the athletes, but the families that have lost that as well. Yeah. We, I've heard from multiple other parents that have seniors and are parents of athletes and as has our athletic director and some of the parents are, are, I think adding stress to these kids because the parents are so uptight about it and, you know, worried about it that they're actually causing the kids more stress. <laughs> so yeah, it absolutely affects everybody all around. 
Well, in the article that, that Jeremy referenced, that's one of the things I talked about is <clears throat> parents maybe minimize the amount of time you spend watching the news about this because as yeah. your anxiety builds, our kids are like little tuning forks and they pick up on that. And if you're afraid, they're going to be afraid. And if you're anxious, they're going to be anxious. And so yeah. uh, I'm staying in the backyard. We have a pool, thank God. So I'm sitting out there reading all kinds of books <laughs> on history and listening to music and cooking and going for walks and trying to avoid so much time on the television watching fear basically is what we're watching. It's, it's awful, but it's the reality. Yeah. Stop bragging about your weather. We woke up to snow this morning. <laughs> I only sorry. wish I could get out and work in the garden and yeah, <laughs> some of that stuff, <laughs> all right. Choices, right? You chose Texas. I chose Oregon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. That's tough. Um, Jeremy, do you have that list of questions? I can look it up if you don't. I do. So, so the first point uh, that you said was to normalize the first week or two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then because uh, you wouldn't believe how many I, I do sports psychology work. That's my field and uh, do a lot of work with the mind of the athlete and help them manage emotions. And you wouldn't believe how many athletes that I see that are 40, 50, 60 hours a month sleep deprived. And so if, if they're not going to this, this rapid cycle that so many of them get stuck in of school, training, homework, sleep, school, training, homework, sleep, if that stops, a lot of them are just going to crash. And so I would give them a week or two to just get caught up on sleep. And, and because we see all kinds of research about the different ways that a lack of sleep affects an athlete with their mood, memory, their, their ability to handle stress, the resiliency, they tend to suffer more injuries. And so give them some time that kind of that uh, summer vacation, if you will, for a week or two, just to, to catch up on sleep and, and, and hang out in their rooms and watch videos and then start looking at structure. And, and that's, I'm getting a lot of calls from parents to get, to spend time with their athletes to help them develop some kind of structure to their day, whether that's schoolwork or flexibility sessions or yoga sessions or, uh, jump rope or whatever it is, but just create some kind of accountability in there um, is so important for them right now. Otherwise, they're going to lose everything that they had gained. Carrie, you mentioned that you have a high school senior <clears throat> in the middle of this right now. So have you been able to to see this, that, that Robert's talking about there in your household? Yeah, he's uh, yeah he he has been catching up on sleep. Absolutely, we've let him and playing some video games. Uh, we're kind of lucky because he's been able to still work, um, so he's working part time. So that helps. Um, he works at a coffee stand, and so apparently coffee is essential. And so <laughs> they're still open, but um, but yeah, I've we've I encouraged him. I bought him a journal you know, and said, Hey, you should start journaling this and writing down because someday your kids are going to learn about this in school. And you're going to be able to say you are right in the middle of it, you know, try to look at the good things that you're going down in history. And so, you know, write these things down, right, write down that, Oh, today my coffee stand stopped accepting credit cards and, or stop, stopped accepting cash and credit cards only. So they wouldn't have that exchange, you know, just little mm. things like that are important. And we actually drove around town and took pictures of, you know, signs and um, different things that were, you know, the, the big tent set out up outside the hospital and different things that were related to this um, COVID 
you know, tragedy. And so we can do, you know, like a little scrapbook page or something, you know, to go along with it. So that's kind of what we've been doing. You know, luckily, like I said, he's been able to work, but mm-hmm. trying to see the positive sides of this yeah. and what mm-hmm. will come out on the other side. So. We're seeing so many people in our neighborhood. We have a neighborhood that's really set up for getting outdoors and walking. And we're seeing families of four or five on bikes. And I didn't realize we had so many babies in the neighborhood and, <laughs> and dogs and, and people running. And it's kind of neat because we're meeting all kinds of people and, and are yeah. introducing our dog to other dogs in the neighborhood. So, <laughs> so many people are out getting exercise. And I find that we're at home cooking more and eating healthier. And I'm cutting down on my portion sizes and doing my abs and stretches every night and walking during the day. And um, so I'm like you, I'm, I'm using this as a time to really strengthen who I am on as many levels as possible, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the perspective is huge. And I think that's what hopefully if people can see that will carry us through this because like you said, if you watch the news, it's negative, negative, negative. And it's good to be informed, sure. But, um, you know, through kind of the, the weeks leading up to this, I was doing a lot of like mental training, you know, for lack of a better term. And I'd love to pick your brain on this maybe outside of this podcast sometime. But just and I read the Daily Stoic every day. It's a re- just a one page thing. But controlling the controllables, controlling what you can control and, you know, not not for not not worrying about anything else because obviously there's things we need to worry about. But if we do the things that we can control, keep a positive mindset, you know, be able to relay that to people around us and, you know, kind of let everything else be as, as it will, these things are going to happen regardless of, you know, if we're worried about them, if we believe in them or not. So if we kind of take control of, you know, our lifestyle, the people that are around us, you know, exude that, that empathy and that, that compassion and that positivity, Mm -hmm. I think that can go a long way. Um, you know, because, because there's a lot of people that are scared. And I, I think at the beginning of this, I was pretty, I was pretty, uh, well, I, I went from, <laughs> this is kind of funny. I was talking to some of my athletes in the school. It was the day the NBA shut down. And I was like, yeah, I think, you know, this is serious, but I think a lot of it's being blown out of proportion. And then the NBA shut down and the MLB postponed. And, and then, you know, I, I kind of went through that, some of the stages of grief where I was, you know, very scared for a little bit. And, you know, I knew I was going to get pulled into the hospital since the high schools were getting shut down. And I was pretty scared about that. Mm. And I, I prayed on it a little bit and, and just I kind of fell back onto some of the books I was reading and some of the, the visualization and the, and the mental training I had been doing. And I kind of just came to grips with it one day and said, hey, this is what I can do to improve my life and the, the lives of people around me, my athletes at the school. And whatever else happens is going to happen. I just need to be able to do what I can do to, to the best of my ability. So I've been trying to you know, relay that onto some of my athletes through some video messages and reaching out to them through the apps and stuff as well, because the best thing we can do is stay positive right now. Yeah, I agree. And it, uh, you make some really great points around, uh, like I have a, a friend, he's head of, uh, Australian special forces in Afghanistan. And I was up in Canada working with a gymnastics team up there, which is where he lives. And we're on this hike and he just turns around and he says, you know, Robert peak performance is peak performance. <laughs> It doesn't matter what we're doing. And in a sense, the rising to this challenge is a form of performance, right? And so when I work with athletes, we talk a lot about uh, managing your resources for productivity. And, and I always say that performance isn't just a physical experience. It's a mental and emotional experience as well. And that's why mental training is so important. 
And so if we're anxious and angry and scared and we feed that, then we're putting so much energy into fear and anger instead of hope and resiliency and connection and empathy and some of the things that you talked about. And so that's what I'm being real mindful of is, is how do I want to spend my energy? Am I doing things that are bringing energy back into my system so I can be in this for the long haul? Or am I going to drain myself by watching eight hours a day of news? I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to fill my system up where I have the resolve and the resiliency to run the gauntlet here. Cause it's going to be a pretty long gauntlet. It sounds like. Uh, the next point that we had was have regular family meetings. Mm-hmm. And then the number, number three was help your kids create a written planner. So I want you, we can start with the regular family meetings. Yeah. Uh, we used to do this with our kids when they were younger and we sit down at the breakfast table and just kind of check in with how you're doing, you know, where you're struggling, where you need help. Uh, what are you feeling? What's going on? Whatever you need to talk about. And initially our kids hated it. And they resisted it and they were angry and I don't want to have a family meeting. But then it got to where they saw the value in it and the power in it. And I always noticed the mood in the house picked up after we had them. So I encourage families to sit down once a day, once every other day, at least. And it's not about calling each other out and you didn't clean your room. That's not what the meeting's about. The meeting is about just a place to come in and, and just kind of talk about where you are and what you're thinking and what you're feeling and what you're up against. And with the case of these student athletes, what are you missing? You know, and, and, um, we check in, you know, we check in with our kids. My son's in graduate school and my daughter's up at Texas A&M. And we check in with them regularly just to see how they're doing and what they need and what's going on. And so I guess in a sense, we're still having, having our family meetings, but the families that I'm talking to that are doing it, they're seeing a, a huge value in doing it. It also helps with connection and, and gets rid of that sense of loneliness and, and gets people maybe out of their bedrooms and into families. I'm also uh, talking to families who are going for walks having family movie night, they're cooking dinner together, you know, while one person is cooking this, somebody's making the salad or setting the dinner table. And like I talked to a girl yesterday, she was a, a gymnast in LA and she said, she's just loving the family time because she's one of those athletes that goes to school and trains and comes home and does homework and then goes to sleep. And she said, she never gets to see her dad. And they're going out on all these walks and spending time together. So the family meetings make sure that that happens. It's a guarantee that that connection time is going to happen. So that was the first thing. And then question two was, you said a structure for accountability. Was that what that one was? Uh, It says your kids create a written planner. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Like an example, um, I talked to a rhythmic gymnast on the West Coast last week and her mother I'd worked with her for a while. We were just starting to work together when all this started on performance related issues. And her mother emailed me just before my call with her last week and says, she's really depressed. She seems really, really down. So I asked her as a rhythmic gymnast, what's the most important skill that you need to conserve during this shutdown? And she said, my flexibility. And uh, so, okay, what's the most important parts of your body that we need, that you need to keep flexible? She said, my back, my legs, and my toes, interestingly enough. And uh, I said, okay, come up with six or eight exercises that you can do to keep those parts of your body. And she's writing all this down, that keep those parts of your body flexible. She's writing all this down. How long do you need to do it? Hour and 15 minutes a day. Okay, when are you going to start? Today. Well, when today? Well, 
after our call, I have to do this call for SAT prep or something like that. I'm going to do it two o'clock today. How many days a week you're going to do it? She goes seven. And I said, don't set yourself up for that. You know, let's start with four or five just to kind of build some confidence. So what she did there was she built a structure and she had some self, some built in accountability there. And what we came up with was her to get what we call an accountability partner. And so she picked a teammate and reached out to them and said, this is what I'm going to be doing. Do you want to join me in it? And the teammate said, yes. And then if they were struggling, they could get, and I said, get on a FaceTime call. Don't text, actually see each other and connect. And, um, and so they're holding each other accountable. And if they're struggling, they ask why, and how can I support you? And her mother said that her spirits have just lifted, lifted so much. <clears throat> so help them come up with a plan around their schoolwork, a plan around their workouts, maybe their diet, their nutrition, stretching, whatever that is, because they really need structure because of that structure that these athletes have had is gone. You know, getting up, going to school, classes, uh, workouts, trainings, weight sessions, conditioning sessions, games, the structure's just gone. And kids, if they don't have structure, they're going to push out until they find structure. And we don't want it to be consequences at home or even the law or something like that because they'll look for that structure. So help them create that structure and then create some kind of in system of internal accountability and personal responsibility. Cause uh, it was mentioned earlier about, I heard someone say the word empathy, empathy and personal responsibility are two of the greatest character traits that we can develop to achieve a very, very high level vibrational level or whatever you want to call it in our lives. So this is a great time with structure and accountability for these kids to build character instead of being depressed and sad. We can reframe it that, you can't play, but boy, you can build character. And if you come back with a stronger character, you're going to be a better athlete. Yeah. What's the saying that you can't control what's happening around you, but you can control your reaction to it. So, that's... Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the old E plus R equals O event plus response equals outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So how's every, does everybody want to respond to this in a negative way or a life giving healthy way? And we can't control how they respond, but we can sure control how we respond. Mm-hmm. Or reactive. Okay, so, so again, Carrie, you you're kind of living this out. You know, like I have my three kids here, and it's been kind of difficult for them to make the adjustment, to make the change, and to to miss that structure of okay, we know we're waking up, we know we're going to school, we're no doing all. That. And so, again, that's what my wife Sarah keeps saying is like, yeah, we need to establish a schedule. And kind of like what Carrie was just saying is, well, we're still planning on going back to school next week. Well, okay, the next week. Okay, the next week. Right? And so I feel like if the schools would just say, okay, we're going to shut down the whole year. We're going to make a plan and just go like that. It would be easier for everybody to know instead of just the uncertainty of like, are we going back in two weeks? Yeah, am, I, am I just doing this for now? And so like in Texas, they just shut down all schools until May 4th. So that was like a state mandate. And so, so at least we know that for the next four weeks that this is going to be our life, this is going to be our schedule. And I, I think that helps calm the fear some. So what does that look like there for you in Oregon as you're still dealing with a, almost a maybe two week time frame? Yeah, well, we're out till April 28th. Um, so yeah, we had our staff meeting yesterday where we were kind of in the transition between second trimester and third trimester. So um, they're struggling with wrapping up 
with finals and um, a lot of, you know, talking about the seniors, a lot of the seniors, including my son, were going to be done with their courses at the end of this trimester and start um, whatever the next phase is. Like my son was going to take some um, community college classes for free since he's still technically a high school. Anyway, there's a lot of transition. So, I mean, we still have a date, but what's hard is that that we might go back. But what's hard also is that we don't know, it, the athletes don't know if they're going to be playing sports. They don't, you know, all this stuff. I'm like you, everybody else is shutting down for the rest of the year. Let's just do it. <laughs> and so we know and can, but instead of, I guess it gives us something to hold out hope for, but I, we're all kind of just waiting for that day that they're going to tell us the rest of the year. Yeah, it's almost like a, like a false sense of hope. Yeah. Waiting for it, waiting for it, and then it's going to be a harder crash. Whereas if we just we say, okay, we know that we need this time. <clears throat> There's no point in coming back to school for two weeks when all this in Texas, the state standardized testing has been canceled, and so it's <clears throat> so it's not a need to get back to get something done. It's like okay, so let's normalize this for now, and then let's move forward. And so, um, kind of one of the things you're saying, like have a have a regular routine, have regular family meetings. <clears throat> Sorry about this. Um, so, Todd, I know that you're really good at connecting and building those connections with your student athletes, almost like like an older brother type thing. So, what are some of the things that you've been doing and seeing as you've interacted with those athletes? Yeah. So, I the one thing I'll caveat this with saying I'm still this is the, the my first year at the school that I'm at now. So I'm still building some of the relationships with the coaches and obviously the kids as well. But what I've seen with um, the fir well, the first thing I did, and I was thinking about actually, I was thinking about Carrie when I did this. Um, I reached out personally to some of the kids that I knew were, you know, even before all this happened, were struggling with some, you know, me mental health issues and just struggled with, you know, being isolated and, you know, just things in their own head. So I reached out to them first just to kind of see how they were doing because obviously, you know, we're social, we're social animals and without ever that, all that being taken away and being isolated, whether it's home at home or away from our team, teammates, um, mentors, whatever. Um, I reached out to them just to see how they were doing. So, and I think they appreciated that because, you know, who knows if they're talking to anybody right now. So that was the first thing I did. The second thing I did, and this was pretty early on, I think this might've even been before we were out of school totally. Um, I just made a post on Instagram and Twitter that said, Hey, you know, if you're an athlete at Magador and you need a rehab program, or I was working with you and I didn't get a chance to set something in place before this all happened, please reach out to me, you know, whether it's through an Instagram or Twitter message, or if you have my email, so on and so forth. So they kind of had that green light to not feel like they were bothering me to reach out. Um, so I made sure I was very clear about that. And just anybody in general who was struggling with the fear, kind of like what I talked about at the beginning. Um, I, I made sure that I, I, people knew that I was accessible and wanted to be able to help out, help out others. Um, I sent out messages to our AD principal, all the spring sport coaches that, um, you know, that if they needed programs or bodyweight workouts or so on and so forth, that I'd be willing to do that as well. Um, so I'm not, like I said, I'm still relatively new and I, I'm not in all of like the remind groups and WhatsApp groups with the teams. Um, so I had them reach out to the kids for me. Um, just in case kids wanted things to do. Um, the football coach reached out to me about, you know, like I said, doing some bodyweight workouts and giving kids some ideas for things to do at home. So I'm working on um, 
he he wanted me to send him out in like a Google, and I, I'm not I'm not super familiar with Google. I know we use the I knew we we use the Hangouts for this, but I don't use it all the time. Um, so he wanted me to put a, a document together, but me, me being how I am, I want I want videos to be able to go along with everything. So um, I'm in the process of doing that right now, just so because not, not every kid's gonna know what a you know a single leg glute bridge or a double leg glute bridge is. So I want to make sure I have videos to go along with those. So I'm in the process of doing all that right now. I set up my home gym downstairs, so I have a little content area where I can shoot, and it looks nice and all that stuff. So um, I've been pretty proactive with that, just so I can give the kids as many resources as they, as they have possible to again create some of that structure if they want to do a you know 30 minute bodyweight workout every day if they don't have any dumbbells or bands at home, or if they do, um, you know, add, adding those in as well because the structure is so huge. Um, like you guys were saying, these kids have had a structured routine for years and years and years, and now that's all taken away. So the more that they can do in the meantime. And the more re- resources we can give to them um, d- during this tough time, um, I mean, it's only going to make the, the situation better. Yeah, you know, interesting. Like, I've I've talked to some of the kids via Remind, or actually, me and my coworker Sophia went and we physically visited the kids that we knew were doing rehab regularly, That's awesome. and we took them some therabands and things like that. And so we, you know, we kind of kept the, the safe distance, and we just stood outside and talked to him for like 10, 15 minutes, something like that. Just, Hey, how are you doing? Um, what would help you? What do you need? And what can we do? Okay. Well, you have our text phone number. You have our remind phone number. You have our, uh, email. So any of that stuff that you need to get a hold of us, please reach out. And it's interesting that all of them, every single one of them have felt like the online schooling was harder than the in-person schooling. And so for me, I'm like, I would much rather, finish the year like this because I would rather stay at home during the day and then just have practices after school and you know in the evening or have games rather than go up there at 6 30 in the morning and just work and sit and do hall duty and this and that so for me it's like this is so much easier just staying at home but for every single athlete every single student that I've talked to it is more difficult and part of that is because they haven't normalized the schedule yet. they haven't <coughs> gotten the hang of doing the online school but, you know, they also feel like some teachers are giving them three or four assignments to do mm-hmm. to do one instead. Yeah. And so, you know, I see some people on social media saying, look, you're at home, take care of your home. And then you see some it's like, well, we got to make sure that they're staying busy, that they're learning. They're dealing with the crisis, too. Yeah. And you're asking parents who aren't teachers to teach them and to, you know, to do this. And so it it is interesting that you know, just my perspective and their perspective are, are vastly different. It's like, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is great. And they're like, Oh, this sucks. So, <laughs> well, I, I will, oops, sorry. Go ahead. Talk. Sorry. I just, I would just want to add one more thing real quick. Um, my, my dad's an athletic director at a high school around, uh, in the area that I work at. And they, so he's been having meetings. And I've been kind of getting that the inside of more the administrative side of, you know, what athletic departments are doing and you know, that, that sort of thing. And I, I heard that there was, uh, a possibility of like even like cheerleading teams doing virtual tryouts because like this is their tryout mm-hmm. time of the year and so like one of the girls that I'm, I'm rehab that I was rehabbing before we left school is a cheerleader and she wanted to be able to do a full split jump before um, they had tryouts so like I'm trying to keep that in the back of my head like you know that this is still a possibility even if it's just for cheerleading tryouts um, you know I mean that wouldn't be too hard for them to do virtually like even through something like this medium and so something still could be happening, whether it's, you know, virtual or social distancing, whatever. So I'm trying to keep that in the back of my head too. Like some of these kids may still have stuff going on 
um, which, you know, do I agree with it? Kind of like the same thing that Jeremy was just saying, like kids need to take care of things at home and not worry about all this stuff extracurricular, but that may give them an outlet. So we should still be trying to do everything we can. If that's a possibility for certain sports to be doing what we can for those athletes. What I was going to say was I'm, I'm having the same experience, Jeremy, the athletes that I'm talking to when on internet calls like this are saying, my teachers are just burying us in assignments. And as I was, I had the same reaction. Why? You know, there's enough stress with what they're just facing. Let them get the work done. And, and so I'm going to write something on social media to teachers about back off. You know, there's, there's, there's so much anxiety and so much fear and so much uncertainty. Why do you want to stress them out? Like the girl that was going to do her stretching every day at two had to move that time back in the day because there was so much homework she had to do and assignments. That was one thing. The other thing is every kid learns differently and not every kid's going to thrive watching a screen. I think some of them like to, to write. Some like to hear. Some are kinesthetic learners. Some are visual. And some like to learn in teams and groups and have, have stimulating dialogues and conversations. So I can understand why there's some students out there that aren't real real motivated and aren't learning as well and their grades might suffer some i don't know that there's anything you can do about it because this is what it is but uh learning learning styles are huge and i i I do work with athletes all the time to find out their best way to learn and so maybe there's join me where we have more people on the screen i don't know i don't know what the answer is but we've got to we've got to look at that and then back off on the amount of work that they're getting pounded with what are your thoughts on that? Do you think I'm crazy? Do you think do you think they're getting overworked? Are you hearing that? Not in our school. No, we're uh, our, our we haven't actually even started um, assigning stuff yet. Starting Monday is when our school is doing that, and like I said, they're wrapping up second trimester, and so the first next week is all we're having two weeks of second trimester just to wrap that up. And and our principal just said, hey four hours a week total um, for each class. And, and, and she said all the work is optional. She, you know, she's for trimester two. Things might change when we start a whole new trimester, but right now she's just said, you know, things are optional. Just give them supplemental stuff to work on videos to watch virtual field trips, that kind of stuff. But um, right now, no, our school district's been very, um, understanding of the kids at home and just trying to, uh, you know, transition and get used to the new norm. Mm -hmm. All right. So the next point that we have written down is uh, empower them to take responsibility. But before we get to that, Robert, I want to, I want to carry a field jump in. So the last time we talked was about the monitoring mental health. Mm -hmm. And again, that's sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash monitoring mental health. And Carrie shared her wellness survey. And, you know, we have links to all that and how to set it up and everything like that in that podcast episode. But Carrie, you've you've adjusted or created a, a new one for the current situation. And so I think that this is a good place to, to kind of fit that in because empowering them to take responsibility is saying, is giving them the survey and saying, I need to share how I feel. And so giving them that opportunity to, or that place to safely share how they feel is giving them an empowerment. Um, so talk a little bit about the the new survey and how you've adjusted that. Yeah. Um, thankfully I, you know, I'm in a really good place that I can stay in touch with all of my athletes through the wellness survey. Um, I did change it so that they like, 
when we talk about activity, I kind of change the answers. Like, um, are you getting out every day and doing something instead of just sitting in bed and, and um, laying around and playing video games? But we, it, it's a lot of the same questions, Are you? but just altered a little bit. Same with like sleep. Uh, Robert, you talked about letting them catch up on sleep, but after a while, it's like, are you getting too much sleep? Are you mm -hmm. just laying around in bed? So instead of, you know, saying, hey, we want you to get eight plus hours, that's the best Thing you can do but right now it's like okay any more than nine please stop you know you guys need to wake up yeah get out of bed and do these things um i also i added a couple um short answer questions that were um what do you you know uh what are you missing about when you're home what is the what what is one thing that you are now missing and are thankful that you had before and so i can kind of touch base with those kids who, you know, might be missing something, you know, and might reach out that way. Um, and then the other thing I did is I had them, they can, I said, if you want to reach out to your coach or say a good thing to your teacher or coach, you can use it, you know, send me a message through this and I will send those out to coaches. It could be anonymous or not, but, you know, I kind of said, you know, we need to hear not we, but they need to hear positive comments as well. So if you're, you know, sitting at home and missing your coach and your teammates, let me know and I'll send them a message and let them know, you know, so everybody can kind of connect that way. And then at the end of the survey, when they finish, this is also a new, a new part I added when they finish up the survey, there's a, a link and it says, you know, next step, read this and it opens up and, and uh, it's tips for, surviving where I taught a, a document for them to read where I talked about, you know, develop a routine and, and try to write things down that you've accomplished today. I was one of the things, what, one of the questions I added is what is one thing that you did today that you're proud of? So it kind of helps them, nice. you know, stay on track daily. Um, but I, my points on for them for tips for during, during this uh, time is one, develop a routine, uh, keep a journal, Keep in contact with your friends and family. I talked about, hey, you, you know, grandma who's up in a nursing home right now and can't have any visitors. Take a moment and call her. And maybe that's your thing that you're proud of today. Um, limit the negative news like we've all talked about and then do something positive daily. And then we talked about, you know, watch your, make sure you're checking your email, your school email and, and staying in touch that way. But uh I haven't sent out the new survey yet because I we just had our coaches meeting yesterday and I wanted our coaches to look it over and have any um, input on that. But I'm really anxious to send out this new one. And and uh, I've sent out two of the old version and then I kind of realized, you know, this really isn't relevant right now. So I, I'm anxious to send out the new version and hear back from some kids and uh, get get in touch with them and see see what, how they're feeling and what they're doing at home now. Good for you, Carrie. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. Um, I have a question around that. I noticed, like, I have an injury questionnaire. When I see an ACL or a Tommy John, it's um, most of the time athletes are real open, and sometimes it, it, it'll ask a question, uh, am I experiencing fear of re-injury? And it'll say, not at all to severe or somewhere in between. And there's a whole bunch of questions. And every now and then I'll get an athlete that comes through and it's all not at all, not at all, not at all, not at all. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and so my question is, are you finding that your athletes are willing to be vulnerable when they're answering your surveys like that? Because athletes, as we all know, are conditioned to suck it up 
tough it up. And that's something that concerns me a little bit about this time is the, the, the conditioning that athletes experience about being tough and suck it up. And that's really not going to serve them really well during this time because they do need to be vulnerable. And I'm ref- reframing vulnerability as an act of courage. Um, like uh, Brene Brown talks a lot about how being vulnerable is one of the most courageous things that we can do. And so I am finding that a lot of the athletes that I'm talking about are real open about it. Are you having the same experience? Uh, you, you know, just like anybody, every athlete is a little bit different. Every person's mm-hmm. a little bit different. And so, um, yeah, it's funny because you do get the kids who are the, um, the do-getters, the 4.0 kids who will do that survey every single time you send it out immediately and, you know, know that that's the right thing I need to do. That's what Carrie said. I need to do it. Um, and they're usually the ones that we don't need to worry that much about, Mm -hmm. you know, they're usually stable and, um, but yeah, uh, you, that's, that's what we found from it. There's two questions, um, about stress. How is your, in the previous survey, how's your stress at home and how's your stress at school and with sports? And so it's easy for them to put zero, like my, like the zero is I'm, it's awful. I'm really, you know, I'm totally over it is what I think the answer was, but they can put zeros on that and then not list a comment at all. Cause there's a place that just says, you know, what, is there anything you need to tell me? Can you read, you can, here's your chance to reach out. It's confidential. But um, so a lot of kids will just put zeros, but not put any comments. And so I'll just kind of drop them back a line and just say, Hey, let me know if every, I hope everything's okay. I see your stress. What can I help you with? Mm-hmm. Some kids will come back at that point and tell me, oh, this and that, you know, and, and that's all they need is just to say it and just reach the hand out. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, not every kid's going to reach out, but it does give them this does give them that avenue to be able to do that and reach out to somebody and, you know, find out if I need to refer this on to somebody else or whatever. So, I mean, yeah, everybody's different. Some will mm-hmm. be vulnerable. Some will not. But yeah. I think uh, kind of going off of taking responsibility and care. I, I, I absolutely love, I mean, even the last podcast we did, it's some, that's something that I want to eventually implement in my school too, because what you're providing for those kids is, I mean, and I think it's the next on the list that we're going to talk about is connecting with others because we're, we're missing that right now. So the fact that you're giving them that, that avenue to be able to communicate, and, you know, not, not that everybody's going to take advantage of it, but the kids that, you know, that do need it or do want it will take advantage of that. I think I think that's awesome. Um, well, you think about those kids who might not have, sorry to interrupt, but you think no, no, about no. kids who might not have a good core group of friends. And so they're sitting at home, they, they're talking to nobody, you know, mm-hmm. and they're and it's even getting worse that, oh, nobody's texting me, nobody's sending me Snapchats. And so at least this puts something in their inbox, you know, <laughs> something yeah. is. Well, is I talked to. I did an interview with uh, it's a woman out in California that, that works with uh, female gymnasts in the recruiting process for college. Uh, and one of the most painful things I see is when a team creates a group chat and then leaves somebody out. Yes, yes. And sadly, that happens far too often. So when I got interviewed last week, she interviewed me last week and the week before, I said, create a group chat or a video chat and do not leave anybody out. And I pointed at the screen like that. I said, do not leave anybody out include because they're sitting at home alone, just like you are and they're scared and they're hurting and to be left out again would be devastating. So do Mm -hmm. not leave your teammates out, include them. Yeah. Good point. 
Sorry, Todd. No, no, that's that's fine. No, I I love this. Um, The only thing I I was going to say was, you know, if if the kids don't have a lot of work, you know, piled up from school or or they're really bored, empowering them to take responsibility, I think a really cool idea. And it was actually brought to my attention on uh, a a couple of the athletic training groups I'm in, ATC Solution and Innovate AT. Um, They really challenged us to say, like, what are you doing right now to improve your skills or to learn something new? And this, this is a, a, a huge opportunity for growth, not, I mean, for, for the kids, for us as professionals, for everyone, because we have so much extra time because a lot of us aren't working our normal schedules. So empowering them to take responsibility to maybe learn something new or learn a new skill or improve in a certain area. I mean, with how technology is nowadays, I mean, you can learn, any, you can learn anything on the internet, you know what I mean? So like, to, to, I'll, I'll give two examples right now, just because I, I've had a lot of fun with them. I, I chose, I'm, I'm learning Spanish, which I, I learned in school, but I, I, you know, how many of us remember Spanish from school? So I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lesson or two every day in that. And then this kind of came out of one of the athletic training groups is I'm going to, I'm joining a uh, entrepreneur business trade school, which mm-hmm. is um, these, there's so many things that I, I messed up because I'm just uh, not a business person. Not many athletic trainers are at the beginning. So um, I'm kind of going back so I can improve my skills in those areas. So I, I would definitely challenge, you know, if, if any athletes are listening or even athletic trainers, you know, that's something we can challenge our kids to do as well. Like learn something new. It doesn't have to be with your sport or it doesn't have to be with you know, school. If you have time and you want to learn something, go learn piano or go learn, you know, just something, something to stimulate your brain to make you better. But also more importantly, make sure it's something that you enjoy because we have so much extra time right now. I'd like my son to learn how to keep his room clean. <laughs> Do they teach that on the internet? Are there YouTube videos for that? There's a YouTube video for that. Yeah. My, was, uh, that was that Marie Kondo on Netflix or something? Yeah, like that? Exactly. But Todd, along those lines, my grandfather fought in World War One, and so I just finished a book about the First Division and their battles through France and into Belgium and Germany. And I just picked up another one last night. I'm starting that one, and I'm on fire. Awesome. I love history. Yeah. I just love history. And so I'm learning, we're going to, when this ends, I want to go to France and walk his footsteps through France, you know? So I get really excited. Yeah. It's just amazing. And if you're a coach, you know, read, learn, watch videos and learn about motivating and inspiring athletes or different ways to, to, to teach or empower or learning styles. You know, there's so much we can learn here to help our kids. And, and that's one of the things I spoke at the greater Houston athletic trainer society, uh, I don't know what you guys call it. Your big convention, forum convention last summer. And I'm, I'm, you know, and I always think about you guys as being physical trainers, but every time I, I talk to you guys, I'm always struck by how much you care about your kids and, and how you, you're not just, you're not just physical trainers, you're, you're school counselors and your mentors and people they can lean on. And I just think that's so cool. You know, to just hear your conversations about, how much you care for your kids and all the things that you're doing to help them and, and reach a hand out to them. And as we guide them through this whole process. Yeah. We're definitely in a unique position. Mm-hmm. Big time. Yeah. yeah. All right. So one of the things you actually have here on the connection, Robert was, it says the bigger the screen, the better the connection. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. talk just a little bit, about, a little bit about that. Well, I work with athletes all over the country in Canada and Australia, Australia, and obviously we can't do one-on-one sessions. So uh, 
you know, if, if I do a session with an athlete and, and I'm on their phone, I'm about this big, right? On an iPad, I get a little bit bigger. And on the, like right now, Jeremy, you're about this big on my screen. So it just makes for a bigger connection. You can read body language. You can read affect. You can see breathing. You can see their shoulders hunch. Like I was talking to a girl yesterday and we were doing, uh, it's a, it's a character survey. And we were looking at identifying her character strengths and I was teaching her about how to integrate that into her life. And, and I would teach her something and she would just get this big smile and a tear in her eye, and I could see it. And I go, okay, you just had a truth response. What was that? She goes, it just makes so much sense. I didn't know that about myself. And and so if she was on a phone about that big, I may not have been able to see that. And so it, to me, I, when, when I send out, when my assistant sends out our, our packet for information with injury questionnaires or performance assessments and things like that, it says no cell phones, be in a quiet, private place. I've actually had had parents have their athletes sitting in a Starbucks or a hair salon next to them trying to have a session with me. And I just shut it down. It's like, I'm not going to do this. I want to be effective with your kid and I can't be effective on a phone and a Starbucks or you getting your hair done. Call me back when they can be at home on an iPad or a computer with headphones. And they're like, Whoa, but I want to be successful. I want to be productive. And so that's what I insist in my calls. And I recommend that when these, Kids, you know, get your, you have a lot of kids, not all, but a lot of kids have an iPad or a computer. There's some that don't, and that's really sad, but get on your, your, your computer and connect with them as best you can. All right. So to the same point that we were, we we're just talking about, um, stimulating your mind, try to do something new. Um, Megan McKay was watching online and she asked, so what about the people who are still working or me? <clears throat> maybe even working more, but they don't have sports. So like Megan's an athletic trainer, she works with Baylor College of Medicine, but now they're just shifting focus completely. So what are some of the things that you would say that she could do to stimulate her mind, even though she doesn't have all this extra time like I might? Is she like on the front lines now with the COVID? Did they move them over there? Um, we don't, yeah, we don't know. We don't, sure. we don't have that information. Yeah, I, I know a lot of athletic <clears throat> trainers, like even Todd, I think he's working night shifts now screening for uh, COVID. Maybe Todd, you can talk briefly about your experience, and then we can well, kind of go from we, there. Go ahead, Todd, because that, hey, that's, that's where you want to go. Yeah, uh, I, I would say, um, I, so I am a part-time employee, so I don't. I'm not working a full forty-hour schedule, but I'm still fulfilling all what, what my normal hours would be at the high school. I mean, not not as much because, as you guys know, we work way more hours than over allotted. But um, one thing I've done, if, it, if I'm working night shifts now, it's pretty slow. So I'll bring a book just in case, like, you know, maybe I can get 10, 15 pages of reading in through that time. If it's slow, like, like in the ER the other night, we saw maybe like 15 people is pretty slow. Um, but if you're, if you're working, you know, and I, I, I feel for you guys, if, if you're listening and you're, you got moved to a hospital, I mean, it, it's, it's scary and it's, it's mm -hmm. uncertain and we don't know, we don't know how long we're going to be there. Um, but one thing that I've, uh, I've done. And again, I have more time than you guys who are working 40 hours or more, but even so, like if you, if you get done with your, four, your, your eight hour shift and you know, you screened a bunch of people and you're scared, you get home. Um, <clears throat> I started doing 10 minutes of visualization every day and I just, use, and I didn't know how to start, start with it. So I just use this app um, called envision and you, there's a paid one and there's free. I'm just, and I just use the free one, but there's like little modules in it that you can pick. You can do like the daily, 
um, 10 minute visualization was kind of like they build off each other or there's little ones in there that are for stress relief or for um, if you just had a bad meeting or if you're having a bad day. So you can even if you don't not, you know, you're stressed because you're, you're working still a ton and you don't want to you know take learn something new and take a whole new course. You could do a 10 minute stress relief visualization when you get home just to kind of de-stress and still stimulate your mind, but also kind of calm yourself down if you're going to go to bed or, you know, have to work at work at home and take care of your kids. I mean, that, that would be a great way to still, you know, be positive and build, but um, maybe not something that's, you know, as daunting or as time consuming as taking a full course or learning a new skill. Megan did say, she said, no, she's not yet moved over but she's wrapping up the professional sports season because she worked with the Houston Sabercats, the professional rugby team here in Houston. Mm-hmm. And she's also working with post, post-op with a patient, but still working a full 40 hours and mentoring ATs who have already been shipped over to the hospital. And so that's, again, her wow. situation. I t- when I talk with athletes, we talk a lot about this concept of tank filling. And there's tank draining things we can do. Watch TV for eight hours a day with fear stuff. That's tank draining, worrying, uh, sitting and eating calories after calorie. That's tank draining, but tank filling things are things that, that move energy back into your body, into your system and, and meditation, visualization. There's all kinds of great meditation apps. Uh, for me, it's listening to music, uh, taking my dog for a walk, playing catch with my dog, cooking, uh, I put on my headphones and I'll put quiet music on and I'll just sit like this for 20 minutes at a time. And I try to do that at least every day, if not twice a day, um, sitting out in the sun, you know, things that help fill my tank back up again, you know, we can't do a lot with an empty tank, you know, and there's a lot of things that are draining our energy and pulling our energy away right now. So we have to be mindful of creating activities in our lives that bring that energy back into the system where we can keep our tanks as full as possible. It also helps our immune systems and our health too. So that's, it's a really, it's beneficial on a lot of different levels. And that's, that's what I'm talking to a lot of athletes and even their parents about is find ways to fill your tank up. So I I mentioned this um, last, last podcast, Headspace is a meditation app, Mm -hmm. which is really good. And if you're a healthcare provider, you should have an NPI and if you go to the sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash headspace, I've made that link so that it'll go straight to the page where you can enter your NPI and get free the free full version of Headspace oh, in nice. the 2020 year. So again, wow. if you go to sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash headspace, enter your NPI or you follow the instructions, enter your NPI, then you use that app um, for, for free for 2020 or we get the full version for free through 2020. And that's something, something they've did to, done to help healthcare providers who may be dealing with a lot more stress. Than wow. That. That's awesome. But again, yeah. I've, I've used it a couple of times over the last few nights and it really just has helped like, okay, let me calm down. Now I can get to sleep. So. Sweet. Along those lines, I would invite everyone to be very mindful of when you start getting reactive about things. Um, uh, and choose to be more responsive instead of reactive. And I talk with athletes all the time about the reaction. Reactivity is involuntary, angry, frustrated, uh, fear-based, isolating. Responsiveness means I'm going to take a few breaths. You know, I'm going to be aware of my breathing. I'm going to be aware of my thinking and my attitude about things. I'm going to be aware of my emotional response. And just a couple of breaths between 
getting some bad news or seeing something or experiencing something, just a couple of breaths creates that little space of time where you can go, okay, I get to decide what I do with this. You know, I'm not going to be at the mercy of my wild imagination or my fearful emotions. I get to decide what I do with this. And that, that little breath creates that space of time that allows, allows that, that for, allows mindfulness to come in and then go, okay, I'm going to breathe myself back through this and calm myself back down again, or uh, I'm going to change the channel and put on something funny and get away from that or do something to create a space where you can bring energy back into your system and calm yourself back down again. Cause <clears throat> the last thing we want to do is run around being reactive all day long. We're going to we just suck the life out of ourselves. All right. So the, the last point you have is point number seven was that some parents say that no matter what they do, their kids went off their phones uh, or the video games. So go ahead and talk about that, Robert. And I bet Carrie has a lot to say about this too, because I think I see her smiling there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you like to dive into that? <laughs> or you want me to go first? Go ahead. Uh, I, this was in a, I think this comes from an article. Yeah, I sent this article out to you guys. Um, I've been writing a series of articles, identifying the mental and emotional red flags with athletes and then a, a parent's guide for the sports shutdown. And in this one, I talk about escalation of leverages, meaning if they don't do what you say, look at what's very, very important to them and take it away for 30 minutes or an hour. And if it's their phone, okay, until you get out of bed and clean your room, I'm going to take your phone. And when you do that, you get your phone back and look for areas where you have leverage with them. Uh, and you know, when we were in a quite a more normal, it might be car keys or it might be going out on the weekend or things like that, but you're going to have to get very, very creative. But again, they need that structure around them. So find ways to hold them accountable and if you have to take important things away and by God, these are to so many kids, these are the most, this is the most powerful leverage that you have uh, because they do need to be responsible and they do need to be accountable and they do need to have empathy for parents that are going through this right along with them. And, and it's a chance to be a, a, a high functioning team and, and high functioning team members take responsibility and have empathy and take pride in what their roles on that team are. So anything you want to add to that, Carrie? Um, no, I followed the same. We as parents did the same thing uh, as the kids from when they were little till now. It was like if, if, if uh, they're in trouble, find their passion and take it away, you know, <laughs> and that that means the most to them. If you find mm -hmm. out what they're passionate about. And Get take them it where away. it hurts. <laughs> yeah. And funny story, one of my best friends, her daughter was really into fashion and would change her clothes multiple times a day. And so she would get her fashion taken away. And so she would only get to wear black and white to school. Her mom would take wow. away all of her I mean, this one, she was younger, but uh -huh. she would take away all of her good clothes and say, nope, all you can wear is black, white, and gray to school today. And that's all you get until you <laughs> come back I around. I got her moving though too, right? Yeah, but you really, you might have to be creative, but yes, take their passion away until they figure out, um, you know, what they need to do better. And, and, but yeah, I agree with you on that. It's a good parenting hack for sure. Mm -hmm. We use it with our kids and, uh, they responded very, very well. And, and also it doesn't matter if they get angry and histrionic and all it just, okay. I can see yeah. you're really upset. I took your phone away, but that's, you know, that's just how it is. You mm -hmm. can get upset or you can take action 
to get your phone back. What do you want to do? Yeah, good point. Mm -hmm. So Carrie, as someone who is an athletic trainer, someone who's monitoring mental health, someone who has a son who is in the midst of uncertainty, uncertainty with his senior year of high school, what would be your, if they, if everybody takes one thing away from here, what would be your, your one thing? And then Robert and then Todd, and then I'll, I'll share okay. what your one thing is. So, <clears throat> Carrie. Yeah, that's tough. Thanks for putting me first. Um, <laughs> communicate. Yeah. Let's go back to communicate, you know, talk to, talk to your own kids, talk to your athletes, just reach out because like I said, some, this can be a really lonely time right now for families who aren't, close and have good relationships. There's a lot of lonely people out there right now, probably. And so um, communicate, reach out and um, take a minute to send a letter, take a minute to make a phone call, not just a text message, like you said earlier, and and just uh, communicate as human beings. And let's, you know, get through this together and help each other out. If you're in a good spot, find somebody who's not in a good spot and help them out. Love it. All right, Robert, you're up next. Okay. Uh, I was going to say connect, which is along the same lines, you know, find creative ways, meaningful ways to connect and, um, and, and reach out to people that may not be getting the connection they need. <clears throat> Some of our best friends, their daughter is teaching English in Madrid, Spain, and they're, they're at war with this thing over there. And she's been out twice in like the last month. And so we're going to call her today on FaceTime and just connect with her and see how she's doing and give her a place to cry if she needs to cry or talk about what's going on. But just connect, connect, connect. That would be my message. Cool. Todd? Uh, my, my biggest thing, um, and it was, <laughs> my, my first one was going to be on the lines of what you guys said. <laughs> I'll put mine up and say, um, kind of like what I said earlier, just if you can tweak your mindset from being – looking at the situation as a situation of loss to a situation of growth, whether it's gaining a skill, creating better relationships with, with the people at home, um, or you know, like you guys said, connecting with others that you can be a kind of a beacon of light for just, if you shift your mindset to looking at how you can make the situation better, as opposed to looking at everything you got taken away and which is easy to do, obviously, because our lives have been turned upside down. But, um, you know, I've, 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 I'm living with my parents right now because we moved home last year pretty late, but I, we've, I, me and my wife went with walks with my parents for the past like five or six days in a row, have eaten dinner with them. And it just, you know, you just feel that connection that I haven't felt with them in a long time because we're always on different schedules working here and there. So I would just say, look, at, if you can tweak your mindset, just even just a little bit and look at the ways that you can grow and get better and make better connections. I think that's huge. All right, and so we got communicate from Kira, we got connect from Robert, grow from Todd, and I would say maybe compassion because going through all of the trauma-informed care, all this stuff with foster care, you learn that some kids just aren't capable, and you guys talk about it so much, like at the beginning where Todd talked about they may have a bad home life or we talked about there may be abuse or child abuse or spouse abuse or not enough food, right? So the com just the compassion and and I would say lower your expectations um I guess in a healthy way so like don't expect everything to be functioning at the at the same level for a while mm -hmm. right, until you've established this new normalized so that compassion and, and to lower your expectations and just say 
okay, we're gonna get the minimum done and then we may play outside for six hours a day, right? We may just not get a whole lot done today. Just lower your expectations. Be flexible. Right? So when we, when we, yes, yeah, there you go. Flexible or like I said, compassionate of their individual situation. And so if we can do that, then all four of those like, key takeaways, um, then we're just going to be a lot better in the end. So, <clears throat> all right. Um, I didn't create a short link for Carrie's new wellness survey, but it will be at sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash slash season cut short. So this one's sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash season cut short, or Carrie will give you her a way to connect with her in a second. And you can ask her specifically for that. So, um, I'll start with Robert there. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's going to be the best way to do that? Uh, you can email me, <clears throat> Robert Andrews at T I N, as in Nancy, SSP.com. Or you can do a Google search, uh, Institute of Sports Performance, Houston, Robert Andrews Institute of Sports Performance, or Facebook, the Institute of Sports Performance, Texas. All right. Three. Somebody wants to get a hold of you the best way. Uh, also email um, carrie.wood at redmondschools.org. I assume you'll put it up on your page, won't you? Yes, ma'am. Okay. I'll, have it, I'll have it linked in there. And so <laughs> you can put your pencil sure down. That... <laughs> <laughs> Look it up later. Yep. Or go back and listen to the previous episode with Carrie Wood, C-A-R-I. So, all right, Todd, best way to connect with you? Todd Sports, man, <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> the movie star. <laughs> yeah. Of course, Instagram with your age, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. And, of course, if you're trying to get a hold of me, yeah, sportsmedicinebreakfast.com, and then there is the about, or you can search anything on there, or – Mr. Jeremy Jackson on most social medias or sports medicine broadcast on most social medias. So if you're trying to get a hold of me or you're trying to get a hold of them and can't figure it out, then email or tweet or Facebook um, or Instagram me, and then I'll connect you with Robert Carey or Todd. So again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash season cut short, season cut short. That'll be the show notes for this. And then, um, the Facebook live will have that and I'll go ahead and post these, um, the carries tips and the, the wellness survey in the Facebook so that you guys can get that right now. If you're, if you're live on Facebook, so I'll post those on there as well. So for Carrie Wood out on the West coast for Robert with me here in Houston and then Todd out on the East coast as we're all at home dealing with the COVID-19 global pandemic learning how we can better adjust and connect with everybody around us. That is a wrap. Thanks.